Take RFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content. Download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on RFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. You're tuned in to The Source on Otago Access Radio. During the 10-week series, we will be exploring what processes go into making the city run and what you need to know to be an active citizen. Each week, we will be covering different aspects of civic education from the departments and council to how to get your voice heard in local government. Tune in to Otago Access Radio on Friday nights at 5pm. This series will also be replayed on 12pm Sundays and on 6 Monday evenings. Podcasts are also available from www.oar.org.nz. The Source is brought to you by the Dunedin Youth Council. Hello, so my name is Christina Weston and I am hosting this podcast. My opinion on politics is that before this research, I'd heard about it and picked up some things. But to be quite honest, I didn't actually know that much about it. So I'm really glad that I know the basics now. Um, I think that this podcast could really help youth understand why politics is important and actually know what's going on, especially with um, elections coming up in local council with a lot of, say, like year 13s being able to vote this year for the first time. I think it's really just a worthy cause podcast to get into. Hi, I'm Louise Nicholson, and I'm from the Dunedin Youth Council. I've got not much of an idea on what politics is, so it's going to be quite interesting today to find out some information. And I think this is going to be vital for youth to understand what politics are and how we can get involved. Hi, my name is Kevin Pistano, and um, I-, I was invited here by Christina, the host. Um, and my opinions on politics is, I think it's a, a th- wide range things that um, it- it's very complicated and it's very complex. And um, I think it's going to help um, the youth to understand um, how politics works because, um, you know, a lot of things is happening in the world right now and like politics is a majority of like world news. So yeah. What is politics? So the definition is the activities so associated with the governance of a country or other area, especially in the debate or conflict among individuals or parties having or hoping to achieve power. So basically it's people debating their party's opinions on certain things. One local example could be having a public library in South Dunedin with people for the idea and people opposing the idea. Often they express their opinions either on social media, possibly in the newspaper, or even writing letters to those who are organising it. Okay, and you're probably wondering, as youth, how does politics affect us? Well, one of the examples I have is, for instance, when the government increases GST and everything goes up in price. So that affects that affects literally everyone who's buying things, selling things, just even going to Kmart and getting like a drink of Pepsi or something. If the price goes up, it could go from $2.80 to even $3.60. It could be that extreme. Uh, the youth will be like affected by this a lot because there are people out there, um, especially in our age, who like save up for money to like go places and travel. And like if we kind of buy... Cause, and our youth also... Is into like buying stuff now because we get 
money now. Mm-hmm. So like um, with with the, the if, if a G, if the GST rises um, and like pe- uh, things become more expensive, like people become um, scared to spend things uh, to spend money on like things because um, they feel like they don't get enough money to save. Um, another example I have was if the NCA rules change. Now they've changed in the last two years, which is basically. Not everyone, apart from like a a few special cases, but most people now have to pass level three just to get into university. Do you think that's fair? Well, I don't think it's fair because um, back, I think it was like back then, um, I'm not entirely sure what date, but um, back then uh, the high school only went up to year 12, is that? No. Oh. So this is like from a, so this this is like from like a couple of years ago. So the year before us is actually like the first year where you mm-hmm. have to like complete high school. But I don't actually know if I think that's really important because like you know you're supposed to be at school mm-hmm. until year thirteen, and then here's people going off at year twelve when obviously there's a reason why you should be there at year thirteen. Oh yeah, but like um, if if you think about it, like year twelve. That that should like get you into like basics in university, but if you want to do something more complicated, maybe year thirteen is like why it's there. Because year twelve is, I think, the hardest year in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So like, um, I don't think it's entirely fair, but I think that some people who have completed high school or feel like they completed high school should be able to go to university because um they they feel like they've already done enough. To like pass, but sh- but like surely you should have you should have always had to stay till year thirteen because there's obviously a reason or else we wouldn't have year thirteen like Australia does. So like year thirteen has to be there for a purpose. So like why can some certain people now defy the rule of having to stay year thirteen by getting like special university entrance and other people can't? I feel like year thirteen is more of um a special thing now like, like a like a memorable year yeah or or not a memorable year but like something that helps you to yeah because you know how some people take um an entire year of break before they go back maybe year 13 is just for them to you know plan everything out and like know what to do or what to take before they go to university because you know Mm-hmm. yeah okay um and if the government puts less education they could potentially cut classes like art photography or maybe some of the extra classes which don't have very, like the classes aren't actually very big in size but people still take them is that fair no, no i don't think it's fair because there are um subjects in university that involve these um, um subjects in school so like th- there's an art um course you can take in university right i think so. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it's fair because where are we going to get our art teachers, right? And if the government did cut the money from these courses and people still wanted to take them, would it be fair for the students have to pay more or would the school effectively have to subsidise them because their students, which are their clients, want to take that subject? I think if the government's not willing to fund it, I think uh, the students would have to um, be able to afford it themselves. But it's not entirely fair because some students might not be able to afford to um, pay for drama or art or these um, extra subjects that 
are, are not seen as important as math, science, or English. So quite often when people are talking about politics, you hear about the left wing and the right wing parties. So I'm just going to explain what they are. So for the right wing and left wing parties, there is a very simple example to get the, like the just the difference between the right and the left parties. For example, it could be like having Kanye West for president on the right-hand side and all those who oppose him and vote Taylor Swift on the left. Um, the left political um, spectrum is a system classifying political positions, ideologies and parties. Left-wing politics and right-wing politics are often presented as opposed, although particular particular individual groups may take a left-wing stance on one matter and a right-wing stance on another. For example, left-wing promoting social house- housing and right-wing promoting everyone having rental properties and making more money for those for the landlords. There is a spectrum from left to right for the parties. So quite often you'll find that the parties aren't extremely one side. I mean, they are in some cases, like the ACT Party in New Zealand is quite right-hand side. But usually they're either maybe central left, central right, or just quite central of both parties in general. So there's definitely a large spectrum from where the parties range from. The Republican Party are on the right-hand side and the Democrats are on the left. So in America, at the moment, Trump is very right, so he is for capitalism, and Hillary is more middle or center-left, and Bernie Sanders is more left than Hillary. Okay, so what would the Labour Party be, left or right? Well, so the national and Labour. So national takes more of a right stance, and Labour takes more of a left stance. So often when Labour's in government, like, but when they're both, when they're both in government, they quite they take quite a middle stance. So you, if you like, kind of compare when they're both in government, there's not actually much of a difference like between their stances on things, except perhaps um, like national selling off our assets and like when Labor's in government, often they'll try to um, with ACC cover more some more minorities of people rather than just national who kind of will get rid of that that law when they're in government and just kind of focus on the main chunk of people. So Labour is probably more trying to encourage, like, all for one people. So we're not kind of looking out more for the business owners. We're looking out for everyone, like, all the people. So they're also trying to represent a lot more of the minorities. Like, for instance, before um, National came into governance and was it, like, 2008? Two thousand and eight, um, Labor near the end of their term was trying to do a quite quite a lot of work on getting equal pay because the the pay gap is slip, has slipped and it is still continuously slipping. Okay, and then for the national, what would you think? Are they more business? Yeah, so they're more they're more business orientated. So it's not that they don't care about the people, but they're kind of more focused on, um like the business owners and like kind of helping them get established and helping them make money. Yeah, so they're they're still for the people, but just not quite as much as Labour. So they're more focused on like the small businesses and. So who makes up the government? So what you have is you have the prime minister. Obviously, you have so you have the prime minister, you have the deputy prime minister, and then you have um the rest of the people in their party and government. But what also you have is you have people from different governments. Like for instance, so obviously we have like national and we have labor we also have like the act party new zealand first maori party greens party united future 
So basically, there's just there's quite a lot. There's a whole range of um, there's a whole range of parties, and like for instance, like the Green Party is more focused on environmental issues. The Act Party is really quite far right, so they're quite capitalist. And then New Zealand First is you know trying to put New Zealanders first, so they're quite on the left side. Would you say they are socialist? Then, yes. I would say they're socialist. So yeah, there's there's a quite there's quite a range of um, parties in New Zealand, but um, not all of them hold power. Not all of them will hold power. But if there's like if they side with so they side with other parties, so like the ACT Party, United Future, and the Māori Party, they sided with National, and then so like Greens are sided with Labour. So what can happen is um, they can actually tip the vote as to who gets gets in, in government because there's like a certain amount of seats and I think it's like 120 seats and then they, um, so like the ACT, ACT party might have five seats and it might come down to them actually having the power of using those seats to putting um, either national or Labour in government. Uh, going back on the, um, the party conversation, do you think a two-party system would be better you mean coalition parties no a two-party system like the united states party uh because the united states only has two parties Uh uh-huh so do you think that would like work better in the united states as opposed to like a party being um specific to one area of um problem in new zealand so they're like wider range and like a single party could be like uh, so we have the socialist parties uh, um the more socialist party which would be um labor uh that they could incorporate the Maori party and the Greens party do you think that would like I feel like that could work and it would have to be done very efficiently but I feel like it wouldn't truly cover all of the minorities like you know they all stand for such different things and they have such different opinions I feel like if you only had two then what you would actually do is you would instead of like bringing the voices up you would really be shutting them down so I for New Zealand especially I just I think you need more representation than just two because you know we don't in our country you don't have people who either think one way or think the other we think a multiple of different ways so I think we need a multiple of party like multiple parties to suit everyone but for the smaller parties what if they can't get their voice um uh, heard because they're too small so like they could either join up with a bigger party and perhaps like their voices could be um, easily heard. So, like, a two-party system could benefit the smaller parties as well. I think it could benefit the parties, but I think the parties, they still do get their voices heard because people still do follow them. We still have MPs for those parties. And when you're saying, like, voices heard, what like, what do you mean? Because, you know, like, there are um, people in New Zealand, like, certain minorities that can't really get their voices heard, like... Um, Maybe yeah. we have like a large um, population of immigrants from Asia. Maybe they want to set up their own party f- for some reason. And what if like they can't get their voice heard because their problems only affect them and nobody else? I think that that would be a very specific party. Um, I just I think that you can't just put it under two. It would be more beneficial for them to have their own party rather than going into a big party where there's like multiple of different little parties in this big party trying to get their voice heard when really they they would just be like shouted out. They wouldn't get their voice heard and there wouldn't be a chance because there'd be so many other bigger, smaller parties within that. <laughs> Recently in New Zealand, we've had 
there was a bit of discussion over the flag debate. Do, how do you think that, in turn, getting the New Zealand's public opinion, do you think that was a good way that to, that involved like New Zealand citizens in politics? Within I think the idea was good, but the way that it was done was not. Because, first off, they had two referendums. The first one was what flag you wanted. Two of them looked basically the same. So what's a referendum? So a referendum is a general vote by the ele- electorate on a single political question which has been referred to them from a direct decision. So basically the referendum for the flag was, so the first one was deciding, so it was like a vote on what flag we wanted. And I don't think that was done well because we had two come, come out that looked the same. And then the second referendum we had was actually seeing if we wanted the flag. And I think that that one was the one that should have come first because it would have saved thousands of dollars within um, advertising, you know, and it's taxpayer money. And I feel like they nothing came out of that apart from people not wanting the flag. So it didn't have any positive effects. And people over the 18, only people over the age of 18 could vote. So then, you know, that's still 18 years of people. Well, maybe up to like 10, you know. Well, there's that's still a lot of people that aren't voting who potentially have really good ideas and really could have changed the vote. And as youth, it does affect us because a lot of the older generations, you know, the older... They won't be around as long as we will, but we're the ones who have to change with it. We're the ones that have to grow up on it, and yet we couldn't make the decision on it. And didn't we spend like over twenty million dollars on the um, whole flag changing debate? Twenty million dollars for nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that that's ridiculous. We could have used it for much better use. I think it was. I think it was interesting how we decided to do. The referendums. I thought it was cool how they got the public involved in creating and designing flags. I thought that was pretty cool. I did. I do agree that the youth should have been involved in the process of whether or not we wanted a new flag or not. But did you like that the four chosen that you could have chose out for wasn't actually chosen by the public? It was chosen by a selected committee? I think what they probably should have done is... And two were very similar, so that kind of... And by the same person, so that kind of defeated that whole process. But I think you need to have a selection committee to figure out which ones wouldn't be eligible to be a flag in the first place. And then maybe from there you could have... There were hundreds and hundreds of flag designs. You can't give all of them out to the public to choose. It would just be ridiculous really but four very similar designs chosen by 20 people and we haven't hadn't even chosen if we wanted a flag yet especially because all of the people basically most of the people on that selected committee were very highly educated and it was only 20 people who were like not you know they were kind of in the same age age range oh i don't think they were they weren't all in the same age range they were all they they varied there were youth in that committee in that panel. But then I suppose you could look at it the other way and think, well, this is actually something that New Zealand is coming together on. You know, this is something that everyone can vote on. I felt like the flag debate brought the whole of New Zealand together. Everyone had an opinion on it, whether they wanted it or not, or they, you know, didn't have an, didn't know if they wanted it or not. I thought it was interesting. That was, like, the, the topic of New Zealand. Like, it was... Do you not think that it was a silly idea? Because... You know, we had other crises at the moment and all New Zealand at that second was focused on was a flag. 
But the thing is, when is the right time? We've had that flag for a long time. And I think, so I encourage New Zealand citizens to vote on a thing that they were quite passionate about. I know personally, one of my parents don't really vote. <laughs> and I think they were quite passionate about this topic. So that kind of got them into voting again. But was that the right way to go about it? $20 million on something that people didn't actually want. But Christi- Christina, that money was allocated to that specific thing. Though it was wasted, it was still allocated to it. We have certain budgets allocated to certain things. And was it really wasted? We got the answer, didn't we? We didn't want need a flag at this point in time. But did we need to spend $20 million before we even posed the question? $20 million isn't that much in terms of government um, budgets. We keep on talking about how bad the Auckland, Auckland housing crisis is and how bad child poverty is, and yet we're spending $20 million on a piece of cloth. A symbol that represents New Zealand. I think it needed the question needed to be posed to New Zealand citizens whether or not we wanted a flag or not. I think they could have done it a different way in that they put the questions onto one referendum. So you could have, you know, do you want a flag, yes or no, and then the options at the bottom. That would have saved quite a bit of money. But in regards to the cost, I think it is a lot of money, but and the question did need to get answered, and it's been on people's minds for many years on whether or not New Zealand needs to change their flag. Also, um, speaking on budget again, I think we spend more money on welfare um, on the flag itself because it's $20 million but we have billions of dollars spent on welfare well, we have a budget of over a billion dollars on welfare and um, other things that uh, that could fix New Zealand issue, uh, issues well then why aren't these issues being fixed? well because the government isn't just acting enough I think that say in the next election, election Labour got it and then and the next election national got it after them I don't think three three years is long enough because if you think about it, the first year is like just getting settled and like trying to f- like figure out who does what, how you're going to do that, and like what your actual positions of power are because it starts in September. That's when the elections are usually like September ish. So it's not even the whole year. And then what we have is the next year, which people are like, you know, they're going to set their policies, they're going to set what they want to see done. They're kind of just trying to, you know, there's always going to be like day-to-day stuff that they're always going to deal with. And then I have a couple of big projects, but it's, you know, they'll kind of be put to the side a bit because they've got to do the day-to-day stuff. And then I think in the last six months, that's when they really try to make their difference. But I feel like three years isn't enough. Because it's like you've almost got the introduction and then kind of getting used to it, getting used to how it's running, and then starting these big projects, and then it's over again. So how long would you recommend or like suggest? Actually, probably four or five years. I mean, five years is quite a long time. Maybe four, like just like the American term because you've got that first year of introduction then those middle two years which you're doing the day-to-day stuff and then you can think of the big projects and then in the third year you could probably execute them and then by the fourth year you already know what you're doing so you can really work for and with the people. So with political campaigns do you think that it's fair that if um, parties say they're going to do things if they get elected and they don't do you think what do you think about that? Like, Well, that's just like a white lie. It's like, we say we're going to do this, but we know in reality, if we get in, we're not. And I feel like sometimes they make these policies, but they don't really actively try to, to fix, like, to figure that out. 
It's like once you're in government, well, that policy didn't matter anymore. We're in government. We're in power. You can't do anything about that. Right, well, thank you so much for that. I can quite honestly say we have learnt quite a lot about politics and discussed things. Thank you so much for listening and tune in next week for The Source. You have been listening to The Source on Otago Access Radio. Tune in every Friday at 5pm for the next topic of discussion. This series will also be replayed at 12pm Sundays and 6pm on Monday evenings. The Source will also be podcast from www.oar.org.nz. Thank you to the Dunedin Youth Council for making this series possible. Take RFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content. Download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on RFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.